Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Michelle Martin, good morning. The UK will go into full lockdown to stop the spread of the virus. Concerns are being raised. The virus could be lingering in Wuhan. People are wondering how to prevent social isolation from taking its toll. And while the US Congress bickers, the Dow and S&P 500 are both down more than 30% from their peaks. With the stock markets crashing, people are asking, what should I be doing? Is this an opportunity? Is it time to buy already? What are some signposts to look out for? And what will they mean to make the journey for investors navigating the markets a little less daunting? I'm speaking today uh, with one of my favorite guests for Money and Me. Swapnil Mishra is Head of Private Wealth at Crystal AI. Chris at Swapnil, how are you? I am good. Thank you. How are you? And thank you to be here. <laughs> okay, so people understand that by now that the market impact of COVID-19 is not a passing phase. It brings with it sort of a market reset, which is why we want to do these check-ins with you to sort of see how you're responding to the biggest headlines. So broadly speaking, Swapnil, how do investors who are looking for value in markets, what are some signposts to look out for? I mean, traditionally, the word value has been, uh, you know, the word that is used commonly is value hunting. Mm. And I would say in the last 10 years, we've seen value hunting because it was difficult to find value. Everything was expensive. Everything was rich. And if you were looking for something really attractive, you had to really dig deep into data to find. Uh, today, what we are seeing is the prices for stocks, for bonds, for pretty much every asset class has come off so much and corrected so much that it's, it's, it's all, it's, you can't even call it value hunting, it's value picking, which comes with its own set of problems or you know, red flags which investors need to watch out for. So uh, I would say uh, it, it's almost like fishing from an aquarium rather than hunting because it's all there. Uh, we just need to see what is the right one and what kind of uh, strategies are deployed to ensure that uh, the right kind of stocks are being picked because uh, businesses are going to be affected uh, at least in the medium term. Yeah, people say there are only two possible market outcomes from this disruption, right? That the market will either resume its uptrend or it'll plumb new lows. And really too early to know which outcome will prevail. Um, are there some points that can, you know, that we can look to that can point the way to the most likely developing outcome? So you mentioned red flags, for example, uh, to look out for. You also use the analogy of, was it uh, fishing in an aquarium? I like that because at least it means there are fish there. Yes, <laughs> because it's, it's not hunting. You're not going searching for the, you know, for the for what you want to hunt. This is it's, it's in your aquarium. I mean, it's there. You can it's just pick there. It up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with uh, what what are, what are some of the red flags? What are you going to be looking out for? What are you going to use to discriminate between you know what's algae and what's a fish in the aquarium? I think the red flag one would be uh, businesses. I mean, see, government is doing everything that they can across the globe. Mm. So, yes, there will be support which will be available. Having said that, there will be certain companies, certain businesses which will be under severe duress and may have to uh, either scale down significantly, hence impacting their valuations, or may have to just close. And, and, and that will have an impact on other businesses uh, itself. So, while we are picking 
for value stocks, we have to be very careful not to pick up, uh, uh, you know, things which look like value but are actually uh, just waiting to uh, to to wind down or to close down. Okay. And 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 classic. I mean, a, a very commonly used indicator for something like that is like the amount of leverage in the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So you know, like today, for example, everyone is talking about what kind of leverage is there or what kind of uh, you know borrowings are there in that firm because if the company has less borrowings which means it has the ability to tide through the uncertain and the difficult times that we are going to see from an economic point of view okay all right, I wonder if we can put some of these ideas to practice, to use, uh, you know, help us work through them. Here at home, we've seen Singapore banks uh, take advantage of the recent market falls to buy back their own shares. Over the past three weeks, DBS has purchased nearly $370 million worth of its own shares. UOB and OCBC have spent another $35 million between them. Year-to-date bank shares are down 30%. There is so much volatility in markets worldwide. So when it comes to banks, uh, bank shares here in Singapore, Swapnil, what are you looking at? I think low interest rate margins are going to put pressure on the profitability for banks. Uh, this, of course, is, is a bigger problem for global banks. But in case of uh, Singapore, we are not still, uh, we don't have negative interest rate in the horizon. And hence, hence I think um, it, this would be a good time to, uh, to start looking at them. Uh, having said that, in terms of the sectors that will come under pressure because of low interest rate margins, banks uh, do uh, face difficulty in profitability. So it's not a question of capitalization, it's more a profitability where uh, loan spreads are going down. I mean, I, I, I know so many people who are renewing their home loans at, uh, at lower uh, spreads, which means the bank is making less money. Um, and hence, I would, I would be you know, uh, slow in adding the banking or financial sector at this point of time. Very interesting. In terms of um, unlocking value within ASEAN, um, how should we go about thinking of the different geographies and their response to COVID-19? Should we be factoring that into understanding value here in ASEAN? It's going to be very difficult to factor that in. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, thanks to a lot of these uh, you know, platforms like LinkedIn and, and whatever, social media platforms, everyone is giving their views out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, if, if you start listening to that, it's so difficult to identify which company is going to do well, which company is going to suffer. All of them, you know, all economies are going to get hurt. Uh, I find in such, uh, you know, so, so firstly, ASEAN has value because ASEAN has uh, spending power because it has the demographics. Mm-hmm. Now, it will slow down, yes, but it will still be there in terms of the demographic. And so what Europe doesn't have, ASEAN has. And that's, that's a big plus, according to me. Uh, the challenge is, as an investor, how do you identify those companies, those you know, handful of companies which will come out of this and in fact emerge stronger? Because for those you know, 100 companies, uh, competition is going to be even better because a lot of other you know, competing companies are going to just not be around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find, I mean, just as an example, the FTSE, uh, there's an index. Um, I think it's called the Value Index, ASEAN Value uh, Index, uh, which picks these companies and they have their own screening methodology for balance sheets and for those kind of things. Uh, I find use of such an index as a good proxy uh, for clients or for investors who are not able to do that kind of primary research on their own mm. and, and, and taking a view that, yes, ASEAN is something which one should, you know, can consider adding a little bit in the portfolios. 
That's a great resource, Swapnil. Thank you. Swapnil Mishra is Head of Private Wealth at Crystal AI here on Money and Me. What about REITs? DBS Group Research in a report uh, Wednesday said it recommends accumulating certain Singapore real estate investment trusts following overselling of the sector by investors. So the research team singled out Capital Mall Trust, Fraser Centrepoint Trust, Suntech REIT, Keppel REIT, Lend Lease Global REIT, Maple Tree Industrial Trust and Ascendus REIT for Number one, quality assets, and number two, attractive value relative to growth. What should we be looking at when looking at unlocking value in the REIT space? I think REITs uh, definitely something which is very attractive. Uh, we are seeing it at levels which we have not seen in a very, very long time. I mean, you know, as, as, as far back in uh, 2008, 2009. So it's definitely attractive. Leverage is uh, under control. Uh, a lot of the parameters in terms of just the book value, what kind of... Uh, you know, the tendencies they have, everything points in the direction where um, it is, it's good value. Uh, bottom picking, of course, is a tough exercise, but uh, in terms of having an allocation to the asset is very crucial. I, I think I must mention this one point. Yes. Uh, a lot of the unwind, a lot of the selling, I feel, happens because the leveraged uh, transactions are being unwound uh, because of margin calls and because not being able to hold. And and for for investors, this is this is confusing because something has come down. Has it come down because it is uh, it's bad value, yes. or has it come down because you know you are forced to sell? Um, and then I think with REITs, uh, we can uh, we, we should look at adding uh, REITs uh, at these levels and and start the journey uh, as it uh, corrects even more. I don't know how much it will correct, but. Um, um, it is something which uh, is looking attractive, mm. or rather very attractive. <laughs> you know, when looking at, at, at stocks to invest in and companies that will come back after this passes, um, the, the pandemic, people understand that airlines are so intrinsic to, to our daily lives. SIA, Singapore's beloved national carrier, has announced that they're slashing capacity amidst falling revenue. And analysts say that the carrier will need backstop liquidity to the tune of at least $5 billion by June and that the government will need to step in to help out. Um, what, what, what should investors understand about SIA? I mean, um, actually, on your what you just said, they have already started. I mean, I read somewhere that they have just started uh, already drawing down, like many other organizations, or rather, many. I mean, we saw Lufthansa doing that in Germany. We are seeing, you know, various airlines in various parts of the world, uh, uh, at least immediately uh, uh, drawing down on the lines that they have with the banks. And I would say, once the lines are they run out of that, uh, there'll be a need to uh, to have uh, bailouts um, if 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 it is under duress. I think uh, a lot of the, the the fate of the airlines will depend on the uh, on the timeline of the way virus is handled, mm-hmm. and uh, that, to be honest, is a big uncertainty at this point of time. So I would say, in, in, in a, once we see that you know two or three key geographies, places like UK, US, and, and we'll get to see that within the next month, month and a half. I think by April, we will know how good or bad or, you know, it gets in, in these places. And that will give us an idea of whether we are talking about third quarter where um, where normalization starts occurring in the market. If if it extends anything beyond that, uh, then it will be really tough. I mean, I, 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 I feel for, uh, uh, you know, people working in companies because uh, there isn't, I mean, you're shutting down 96% of the capacity. Mm. Uh, how is the company going to sustain 
um, helping uh, the employees and uh, keeping the business going. Uh, and, 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 and this is, mind you, on the back of the last, you know, six years of sustained increase in travel, tourism, hotel, hospitality. I mean, mm. it's just been one way up. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think in the, in the next one month, we will be able to form a view. Uh, but at this point, uh, the timeline is unclear and uh, strong uh, local uh, central banks will help the airlines in various uh, uh, countries. And which is why I guess for SIA, it's well positioned because... Uh, you know, it's in Singapore, and, and, and I'm sure they're in. Uh, they're working on some solutions. Discussing value hunting with Swapnil Mishra, head of private wealth at Crystal AI. If we take a broad picture step back, Swapnil, the Dow and S and P 500 both down more than 30 percent from their peaks. This has been the fastest 30 percent sell-off ever. Just 22 days, even during the Great Depression of the 1930s, the markets didn't fall this fast. I'm wondering if you have any sense as to you know, in terms of um, the, the other analysts that you're speaking with, is there their sentiment on the ground as to whether the markets could be nearing the bottom soon? I think central governments are stepping in and the fact that they are beginning to use the phrase of, you know, whatever we need to do. And that's, that's encouraging because we need the, you know, the, the buyer or, or lender of last resort. Uh, for example, last night, uh, Fed announced that they're going to start buying ETFs. Mm. And they're starting with the investment paid bond ETF. Mm. Um, that's, that's a good sign uh, but from the equity market's point of view, with recession kind of being priced in, uh, it will be a bumpy ride, uh, at least for the rest of the year. Help us understand the Fed buying ETFs that track the corporate bond market. I understand this has never been done before. Uh, what does this mean? So, uh, if, if somebody is a conservative investor and decides that I'm going to keep 50% of my uh, portfolio, uh, let's say $5,000, I want to invest in uh, investment-grade bonds. Now, it's very difficult to invest in an investment-grade bond in a diversified manner because, of course, you could buy one bank bond, but if you buy one bond, it'll, the minimum subscriptions are very high. Mm. So the index actually has a basket of uh, hundreds of uh, investment-grade bonds, and that ETF is then traded as a single security, which you can trade in, in, in smaller sizes as well. Now, in this case, the liquidity of this index came under stress because in the last two weeks, we saw extensive selling. And the selling was for two reasons. One, because there was a, a, a rush in terms of the, you know, to kind of get to cash. Mm-hmm. So I want to sell everything that I can sell. And hence, I placed the order to sell my, you know, bond, uh, investment grade bonds. So these are good quality bonds fundamentally. You know, this is not emerging market or high yield bonds these are investment grade mm-hmm. um, and then there is a there is a rush in terms of selling uh, these uh, these uh, etf funds that clients are holding um, this, so one is rush for safety second is because there is a fear of bankruptcy so uh, mathematically if you if you run the numbers it uh, the index is pricing in that investors believe about 15 to 17% of these companies so let's say if there were 100 companies, mm-hmm. the market believes 15 to 17 of these companies are going to go bankrupt. So both the fear of bankruptcy in investment grade and the need for liquidity has put a panic sell in that index. Now, Fed wants to step in, and it's difficult to step in by buying individual corporate bonds. Mm-hmm. So they have decided that we they will come in by buying these ETFs and provide the liquidity. So 
what we saw as a result was the index jumped up by about 6% because now suddenly if I want to rush and sell my uh, ETF holding, I know that there is somebody who's there to buy it, uh, unlike a week back or maybe three days back when there was no buyer and there were only sellers. Right. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Goldman Sachs is warning, though, that the sell-off will get worse before it gets better. It says investors' equity allocation is still above previous market bottoms in 2001 and 2008. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely. Which is why I said that the ride is going to be bumpy, uh, which means we are not uh, going to see it. Uh, it won't be like a 2018 December where uh, Fed interjected and liquidity came back and mm. everything was back to normal uh, because we have this this uncertainty of impact of the virus, which has not been there. I mean, even in 2008, we didn't have that kind of a problem. So mm. this is uncharted uh, in, terms of, in terms of measuring the economic value of that uh, the virus and the impact. What do you say to novice investors? I mean, there are people receiving texts and calls um, saying, you know, now's a great time to get into the market. Singaporeans love sales, you know, and people are looking at what's happening in the market thinking, oh, it's a sale. It's time to get in when everybody is panicking. What would you like to say to the novice investor about getting started now? Um, I mean, it is a sale, yes. Um, But, I mean, if I were to break it down and say that you have five bullets to fire, then just fire one right now. Mm. Don't fire three or four because the worst case situation is that you are only able to fire two and you make the benefit from that if the market rebounds. Your uh, best case scenario is that the market corrects and you are able to fire all your five bullets, but at least you have entered at better levels. So the the, the simple uh, breakup I use is uh, five bullets and just fire one and, and go slow, even though it looks attractive because... Um, a complete rebound with as if nothing happened is very, very unlikely. Yeah. So if I can extend the analogy, um, you know, people shouldn't be panic buying toilet paper. Similarly, don't buy stocks like you're in a famine, right? No need to hoard <laughs> stocks right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, and spending is going to go down. So I, I can see, I you know, companies like Carousel should benefit, right? So <laughs> this is the time where uh, you know, people will be, uh, you know, looking for other avenues for buying, even just for consumption. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, and, and some investors are obsessing about the loss in their value of their investments. What would you say to them? If it's good value, and if these are companies that are going to be around, uh, then it's it's a mark to market. Um, it, it's it's if it is really stressing, sometimes just you know talking to your uh, either advisor or your friend who can tell you that these are good companies uh, is helpful. Um, in most cases, it is underwater to such an extent that uh, there's no, you know, so if you have not done a stop loss, that means you're already holding something which is down 20%. So let's say you're holding uh, Capita Mall Trust uh, and it's down, you know, 20% from the time one has entered. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 20% down, the decision to be made is, is this company going under or is this company going to be around in the next five years? Well, thanks. And for, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> if, yeah, so if it's around, then you hold. <laughs> well, thanks very much for helping us. Value hunting for investors is what we've been talking about this morning with Swapnil Mishra, head of private wealth at Crystal AI. Before acting on the information on Money FM. 
please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.